Hello, and you're listening to On Resistance. We're on every Friday except for the first Friday of the month. I'm Bobby London. And I'm Jay. And welcome to the end of the world. Yes. It's time to go and, you know, hide in those nuclear bombshells. Get your coupon clipping on and store up on some cans because it's happening. Or is it more just the end of this world? Like, as we know it, is what really the freak out more about is that we're watching the current way that we've been living, which hasn't been sustainable, now falling and revealing itself more to more people. For many, it's already been revealed as like an unsafe, violent planet. We are in a time where we're feeling the heightened effects of the way supremacy, white supremacy, has been constructed and industrial capitalism and all of these combined social, political, economic hierarchies are causing uh, a panic, but um, have kind of always been structured, what people would call structured chaos, structured harm. And it is true that the people who have had the most input power influenced this structure are actually well positioned to survive it if the whole planet doesn't go because the white and the wealthy and the people with structural power, the ruling class, they have their shelters that they can go to. They have their really bougie underground mansions (laughs) where they have like, they can have hydroponics and aquaponics growing food and they're like controlled greenhouse underground environment for the coming apocalypse. I say that a little tongue in cheek because I feel like we are situated within like a quote-unquote man-made apocalypse so and and those survival techniques have been even if the people have access to them like don't are deprived resources and space and autonomy to exercise preparedness to the degree that those with structural power do so this is the the end of the world as we know it maybe (laughs) and yeah there's a lot going on like I've been feeling a little bit depleted because I feel like every day I wake up and it's the battle of the narratives, and it's it's on. Yeah, this morning I went on Twitter, which I should probably stop doing. But, like, you also, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, you feel like you don't know what, what you're going to find out next. This is pre-recorded. Um, <laughs> but I woke up and, yeah, it was, like, Trump had a photo op with, like, the military families. And, you know, he was saying, oh, this is the calm before the storm. And then when they asked him to elaborate, he was like... You know, you'll find out soon. It's like, what does that mean? Like, what? Like, you can't, you can't be like, stay tuned till next week of America. Like, you know, like that's what in his head he's doing. He's like, oh, it's probably thinking it's gonna be great for ratings. And it's like, it's dystopia. It's wild. And then you know, all this horrible stuff is happening to people with like hurricanes and like earthquakes and being like, you know, structurally destroyed and. You know, there's so many people that need, like, like help and care. And, you know, we're using GoFundMes and crowdsourcing to, like, try to, like, figure out how to rebuild places that, like, it's just, it's wild. And then just, like, on a micro-individual level, then it's, like, we all have our own, like, chaoses that are happening. It feels so intense so often that, like, the future, it feels weird to, like, try to plan, like, you know, what would now seem like bougie future stuff, you know, like, in my head thinking, like, oh, like, I don't know, like, the idea of, like, 
planning a trip for five years like i don't know if what that country's gonna look like or if it'll exist or like you know will i be able to leave the country knowing how like things are going the scope of all of the factors and all of the structures and then how we personally interpersonally experience these things is just so great and it's becoming so magnified and I do think part of that is that we have access to each other's narratives more than we've ever had before so when there is a disaster or crisis whether it is weather related or these reactionary elements that are organizing the response is also very alarming how people feel like oh we just need better policy or oh we just need more laws like laws are gonna fix this right this issue of there's a cultural practice of defaulting to authority of not knowing what elements are actually in because if you look at these weather disasters the weather is flooding areas and isolating people from resources and from each other and causing panics there's things that are in people's neighborhoods like plants and factories that have been there that some people know what they do other places not everyone knows what they do and what's in those factories and plants the weather combined with those man-made structures when they hit like then you have stuff combusting because it's been underwater for weeks to the degree that these like corporations or these people with hierarchy and authority know and those people they're not there they Mm -hmm. flee well ahead of the situation but the people who live around that so it's like yeah you the storm the weather storm but then there's like trump said oh i hate saying his name yeah i know um (laughs) like oh a storm is coming and like that storm (laughs) That storm is named many things, you know, that storm is like Western settler capitalism that wants to continue across the globe, invading and destabilizing the Middle East and Africa and so many countries, America itself. There's combined factors and elements. We can theorize about where and how the weather patterns are being affected and we can call it climate change. It's also called other things like industrial capitalism or or, um, structured authoritarian hierarchy is affecting these patterns. And so while, like, certain places in this world are becoming, you know, inhabitable, right, like, because of this long process of, like, white human supremacy abuse, people aren't able to, like, freely migrate. And that's a huge problem. Like, people need to be able to migrate. Like, the idea of nation states, like, is so, it's irrelevant. Like, it's not, it's. You know, if you're an environmentalist, like, and you're naming yourself that, you should also be anti-statist and anti-nation state because, like, it's these, like, you know, government bodies that have such, like, authoritarian rule over land. And so, but then, you know, you know, and then that's, like, the scary thing, too, is, like, you know, I read that BuzzFeed article about Breitbart and Milo, and, and it one of the people who Milo was working with was, like, pro-feudalism so like and just thinking about like how many people in power who want to bring it back in a more like direct way like so many battles ahead that like it's really scary I feel like I usually don't go to despair until the end of the show but somehow like but you know I mean there is resistance in the sense of like people want to survive and you know like today when this is being recorded on October 6th you know they're um was like a 
prison uprising in South Carolina. So it's like, you know, people were still hitting the streets in St. Louis. Like, stuff is happening, of course. People in Cameroon have been, like, protesting. You know, stuff is happening. But, you know, at the same breath, like, the FBI is, like, saying they're, like, going to focus on, like, black, quote-unquote, domestic terrorists or they're going to, like, focus on, like, black identity extremists. And it's like, whoa, like, what does that mean? Who does that include? Um, Like, so, I don't know. It is telling that it seems like the nation state, while incredibly violent and authoritarian and effective in consolidating power in the hands of a few, is not structured in any way to deal with autonomy and migration in general. The U.S. nation state, provokes and destabilizes countries causing refugee crises. Like, the United States is a cause of refugee crises. And the second, like, the other end of that war is the war that happens uh, against undocumented people. Um, and they call that border border wars. So through war, that's happening. And then a report just came out where the Pentagon admitted that climate change is the real thing and basically said that their response to climate change is to militarize the borders. So the nation state can can admit that the weather patterns are changing. You know, the cause is still up for debate. But <laughs> um, but the Pentagon itself can admit, you know, part of this hierarchical, one of these factions of the U.S. nation state hierarchy can admit that climate change is going to cause mass migration. And their response is not to prepare for that or to try to de-escalate and circumvent that. And that's not surprising because the, the government's role is not to help people. It is to consolidate power for the interests of a few. The planet responding to the structures that have been built on it and that have you know dug into the earth and stolen resources and commodified everything, including other living beings, um, it's just really telling what the priorities of the nation state are and it is really alarming to me although not surprising that um, people in pursuit of politics who call themselves liberals progressives whatever you want to name yourself um, still continue to look to the nation state and empower the nation state and think like oh we just need legal change when you know you're contributing to the consolidation of power that is doing things um, like Bobby just said, um, and expanding, targeting, and state violence, and not even expanding it, reinforcing it. Basically, the FBI coming out with that is basically saying we're, we're openly willing to criminalize blackness, mm-hmm. which is a practice that they have been doing that has been structured into this country. And really, they just made an announcement that it's official. And so what does that mean when whatever a collective we, like a really fragmented, (laughs) hierarchically divided we, continue to to reinforce laws and this nation state, which is a settler hierarchy, which consolidated its economy on anti-blackness and racism and um, continued targeting of indigenous peoples, maybe they're not going to help us with the storm. There are definitely methods of practice that we could be prepared and more I don't know, contribute to each other's (laughs) non-death, like survival. 
Wait, is that is that despair? <laughs> yeah. I feel like which we were talking about before, like off the air, like yeah, like when it gets to the having to like find other people or work with other people to do these things to do then it's just kind of like that's where the despair you like really seeks it because you're like okay cool they're just like you know what is that really gonna look like but it doesn't mean like it's not gonna have to happen right like um I don't know I like I feel like things are moving so slowly in regards of like the sort of resistance that's needed to be able to actually, like, be able to combat some of this stuff, that, like, everyone's just going to be in jail. Like, and because we can't, you know, the masses is, like, a joke. But, like, yeah, you know, like, people who are arrested for inauguration, you know, there's criticism about, you know, a lot of things around it. But, like, you know, the fact that they're facing, like, almost 80 years, like, their life, basically, um, to be in prison. And it's just kind of, I don't know, it's, like, whatever, like, there's not a big outcry from it. It's scary because, like, there's so many lessons to be learned from J20 that are not being learned. Like, with the St. Louis protests, like, a lot of photographers and live streamers are getting arrested, and, like, the police are purposely arresting people who are filming because you're providing video evidence that's going to be used against those people who were in the mass arrest. Like, what, over 300 people have been arrested since people started protesting or taking to the streets. So it's like all those video footage, everyone's camera phone, all that got taken. Most people probably didn't have it encrypted. Um, You know, like all of that. And then so like, you know, we know people for J20 are getting charged with conspiracy. So it's just you like even like making a call out like or, you know, making a website, like all these things are the state are connecting and using to like try to bring charges and unless you know there's going to be actions made to de-arrest people to stop the court process and like keep people from going to the prisons like everyone's going to be in jail so many things need to be happening of an element to create it where more risks can be taken and that's just not happening and it's like everyone's kind of like waiting and i don't know who we're waiting for and it's like I don't know, like, as someone who is against the idea of the vanguard, it can't be the people who are talking about these things or who have, like, done things who are supposed to be the first ones on the street either because then, like, that just reinforces that, like, false hierarchy. So, I don't know. Like, yes, there's, like, a really steep learning curve in what we have to do to prepare and resist against the state, um, white supremacy, interpersonal social hierarchies, ableism, transphobia, gender violence. But every time you say resistance is something it's not, like you're making it so much harder because there's this really horrible dishonesty about just in just in the course of wanting to brand something resistance because you think it makes it sound whatever, I don't know, um, you know, it's it's making it harder because it's dishonest about what it actually is going to require, what response, what taking responsibility for wanting to, like not taking responsibility for the whole system, but taking responsibility for not wanting to re- continue to reproduce the system, and like even that has some leeway because it's like wa- not wanting to reproduce the system uncritically because there's so much that we're 
that we we do lack autonomy over like we do still live under capitalism a lot of people still do still do have to pay rent and so they still have to like rent out some of their time and and still even in that like that's the economy isn't even a place for for everyone um to even try to rent out their time and navigate but every time you call something resistance that it isn't like you're recuperating the deepening process that people are doing to actually build and create some sort of preparedness for ourselves to think what does it mean to resist and even though people don't want to take risky actions there's so much that can be tried like that isn't shutting down or blockading something or showing up to do direct response you know spaces where we can go to like directly support each other or to share or skill share knowledge or because so that these skills aren't specialized so that we aren't recreating social hierarchies to be in these spaces you have to still be willing to take risk of like losing your power in certain spaces if you're used to having structural power in spaces it's like are you willing to deconstruct the way power has been put together having to break into yourself and see like what you've learned and internalized and how you treat others. And that is definitely an aspect of it. But then there's a structural aspect of confronting power outside of just the spaces we create for ourselves. And that is the spaces that are controlled and dominated by state agencies. And I don't know, like there's so much to be done and the learning curve is super steep. The majority of political analysts are making it so much more difficult by using Maybe they're just using words they don't understand (laughs) or they're purposefully (laughs) recuperating and stealing these intentions and then promoting like laws in the nation state. And it's just it's not helpful at all. It's contributing to maintaining power the way it is. I feel like, of course, they would want to be done because like, yeah, they don't want to lose power, like, which is why, like, if you want autonomy and to have like your own agency, like. It's so hard because you can't just do a blanket, like, collective, like, coalition or, like, you know, or um, unify with any, like, group because there's, like, so much more against that. And that's, you know, leftists, um, liberals, conservatives, and the far right, whatever, have more in common with each other than they do with those who want autonomy. So it's kind of, like... Where do you begin? And I feel like, honestly, like, I do lose despair when I think about it globally. Because I feel like if it is approached in a global manner where, like, people who felt like they were against nation states and borders were like, okay, F all borders, not just our border, but, like, all borders have now become, like, not legitimate. And, like, you know... The wall is being built in south of Texas to Mexico. I think that it has to have, like, an argument of more than just, like, immigration is beautiful, but, like, your wall is not legitimate. Like, we don't want any borders. Like, Mexico is not a country and either is the U.S. Like, it has to be, like, larger, right? Because if not, it's like, what is it really going to do? And so, like, how great would it be just... And then this isn't an endorsement of the action because, like, honestly don't know that much of it, but, like, the concept of anarchists against the wall in occupied Palestine as sort of international aspect of that, right? That's not necessarily, like, anarchists, but just, like, people against the wall. 
And especially because there's so many, like, there's people who were trying to migrate because they're trying to get away from wars that were created by these other people in power and who are sitting in, like, jails being raped and, you know, starved and beaten and, you know, unjustly, like, held against their will. And it's like, that's effed up. Like, we have to, like, free. Like, you know, like, this isn't okay. Like, something has to be done. Like, you know, the, the thing I thought about today when I was hearing details about the rebellion that was happening in McCormick Prison was, like, you know, there was reports that people got on the roof. And I was just thinking, like, God, like, could, like being forced to be in this, like, place that is depriving you of autonomy and agency of everything. And, like, you have to, like, try to fight to get out knowing you're just going to get, like, shut down. But you're still going to fight because you have no choice because you're being literally held in this box. And it's, like, how, like that's so horrible. And it's, like, all these things are so horrible. And, like, the people who are doing it are horrible. And it's just, like, it's not okay. There has to be a moment where you feel where it's just, like, it's not okay. It is an act of peace to break people out of prisons. Like, that is peaceful. That is nonviolent. Like, to, like, because you're stopping the violence, which is prison. I think there has to be a global shift. And, like, it can't be looked at as, like, these, like, singular, you know? Like, it has to be, like, the earth, the planet, everyone. Yeah. Because they're looking at it that way. Like, that was the thing I noticed from, like, the BuzzFeed article. Also, the one I talked about Breitbart was that, like, they kept talking about the war and like they're like you know this is the war to defend western civilization and like they're internationally connected you know like the white nationalists with like europe with australia like you know they're organizing together as they see a war and they see it this way and they use that language and so it's like it can't be you know just like only looking at like this superficial like it has to be deep and it has to be rooted and it has to like it has to be global it also asks people to really deconstruct what the law is like how it was created who enforces it who created it because global autonomous uprising is the only chance we got really if we're thinking on a planetary level if we're thinking on hierarchies, destroying hierarchies. Because really, like, these nation-states, and then within the nation-states, there's, like, hierarchies due to global capitalism, just how those economies have been developed. The battle between nation-states is killing so many people. And even within that, since I'm situated in, within the settler-occupied called United States... The United States is killing so many people and targeting so many other nation states and destabilizing those nation states. So, like, even under the model that exists, the United States is horrible, horrible entity and aggressor. And though it has so much legitimacy, that's why we have to look back and deconstruct the law and legitimacy and just really look and deepen. And people say that, oh, we can't get rid of borders because that's the law. No, there was no such thing as quote unquote legal immigration before there was a settler colonial genocide that created the law and consolidated power through this so-called law and created and enforced these borders in order to control a whole region and, and also people. Looking at these definitions and these words, looking at how people
people fear certain aspects of U.S. history but don't see how it's replicated and just changed forms and continued. And so people try to say, well, at least it's not like this. But I just feel like we have varying levels of internment. We have varying levels of indefinite detainment. And so these markers that people use... And the reason why people use these markers is because they don't want to address the the settler hierarchy that is established here that has existed. So they're like putting up these markers, even though they happened in the past, while refusing to look at how things have changed forms and existed now. Because, yeah, people are being indefinitely detained. Asylum seekers, I mean, we shouldn't be recreating hierarchies between all undocumented or displaced people. So like refugees and documented people and people seeking political asylum are being indefinitely detained. And then you look at the rise of mass incarceration in prisons and how those are just legitimized versions of taking people, sequestering them, stealing from their stealing people from their communities and putting them in enclosed areas and then also like destroying entire generations and families. This continues to happen. We're talking about nation states, but the ideology that supports that is of of and surrounding the nation state is nationalism and so people supporting the nation state supporting nationalism supporting war like are always supporting violence that is done elsewhere and so like the issue of this increase in gun violence like which really like is a resurgence because the united states was founded or created through gun violence genocide was multiple mass shootings so the history of mass shootings in in america is foundational what people are really afraid of is that the violence that they co-sign to happen to other people in other areas will come back and happen to them the debate about restricting weapons to me is not taking into account who creates the weapons why were they created they weren't created just to be collected they were created to be used in the military to also continue the war I just don't understand how the left can claim the Second Amendment. Like, it really bothers me because the Second Amendment is like giving white settler colonists the right to carry arms to enact genocide. People just are selectively against certain types of violence, even though, like, the United States, like, exports it. Yeah, I think on different levels, people will pick what part of the state they can still benefit from. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of, like, people who are, like, especially, like, white cis men who now call themselves anarchists who were libertarians before. Like, really, what do people mean when they say, like, they are against the state? Especially now because it's, like, people are against the government because they don't like this government. And I was thinking before, like, when you were talking about, um, you know, how we do have, like, indefinite detention centers, how Guantanamo Bay still exists and no one talks about it. But, like, how, yeah, like, right now people will be a little more comfortable calling this fascism when whoever Democrat gets elected in 2020, people are going to be like, oh, okay, it's not fascism anymore, which is, like, wild, because I'm like, do you really think that, do you think that's how it works? You know, <laughs> like, and Ugh. I feel like people don't pay enough attention to, like, recent history, the last, like, 15 years, right? The last 20 years, how much those laws that were put in by those presidents are now being affected, like, put in now. So it's all the stuff Bush did after 9-11, we're feeling the effects of it now. You know, and the liberals, and that's the thing about the liberals, it's like everything that Trump's doing that you're like, oh my gosh, it's horrible. When like the Democrats get in office, they're gonna keep it. Just like President Obama kept all the stuff Bush did because they like that kind of stuff. Just like if, you know, DSA got in office and like they would keep all that fascist stuff too because it's authoritarianism and people want the power, you know? And so that's why I feel like 
it's really important to like drop the labels and say what you're about because there can be like misconceived solidarity where there's not. When people are like saying, well, it's my right to have a gun, like you're using the state to justify that right. Yeah, you white cis man have the right to carry a gun or just like white people in general, but not everyone has like that government given right. And so like, that's why like, F the government. There's so much, so much happening. And it sucks because, yeah, when I think about guns, all I think about is all the people who have them already. And Mm -hmm. I think about, like, how, like, Trump lifted the ban for, like, cops to get their military gear and how, like, all those, like, weapons were getting lost by the cops before and how they were getting lost to their, like, you know, to their white nationalist clans. Like, you know, and so... And I just think of these people, like, the biggest shooter guy, and he had all those weapons, and, like, all these people have all these weapons, and, like, yeah, like, me, like, I don't even like guns or, like, like to be around them, but, like, I'm pretty sure, like, five years from now when it's, like, people just roaming in their trucks with their guns, like, I'm going to wish I had, like, a handgun or knew how to use it or something. It's just scary. It's terrifying. It just sounds like a horrible world that I don't want to be in, <laughs> you know? Like, is that the future? Like, God, it looks like one of those dystopian movies I couldn't sit through because I got so much anxiety, and I was like, oh, my God, this is so horrible. Like, I don't want any part of it, you know? And I would just, like, turn it off, and you can't turn it off because it's life. Um, and then so you start to think, like, oh, where else can I live to avoid this? You know, like, what hole or rock or cave can I go hide in so I don't have to, like, exist in this reality because, like... Ugh, it's like so bad the last couple days well actually it's been better the last couple days but before that i was like yeah where, where there's nowhere to go like what can i do like i want to like take a vacation for myself you know not because of the show but <laughs> like because i've actually spent time and intention and energy to try to like cultivate a practice of like deepening my analysis like I don't know how to shut it off Mm. also. Like, I'm realizing the reason why this exists is because you've purposefully cultivated this practice, right? And then now I'm like, oh, I don't know how to rein it in. Like, I don't know how to take time or space sometimes. And it's also related to, like, what I wake up to in the morning and battle the narratives. Where's the discourse trying to go? And sometimes I'm really annoyed. I'm like, why is the discourse going that direction? Ah, where could you go? It's not even that. There's nowhere I could go where, like, then I wouldn't have the consciousness that I have now or something like I don't know how to like I feel like that's more the thing too is there is nowhere to go because you'd still have the consciousness that you have now and maybe it would change based on context and environment leftist left liberal whatever who are trying to push back on this whole the gun discussion they are saying oh the reason why people want these weapons is because they want to be able to check the government and I'm like in what world (laughs) in what world do you live in no the second amendment is how white europeans built the government it's not built to check the government it's literally they're stockpiling weapons for the next civil war the current civil war the continuing civil war so i just think it's ridiculous that like this lie like even this lie that keeps getting repeated that oh the reason why people have weapons is because they're going to use them against the government like that's not true. Like, no, the reason why people are stockpiling weapons is to continue to use them to enforce, like, racial hierarchies and poverty and all these things. Because as economic desperation and people are reactionary, people with power are reactionary, and they will turn to these tools. And who historically has had access to stockpile weapons? Who has historically had access and not been policed? So, no, you're not 
you're not using them to check the government. Like, you just want to enforce your version of the government onto other people. So even in combating narratives, people reproduce narratives that are just untrue, like, in terms of, like, that's not why the weapons exist, in my opinion. Yeah, Department of Homeland Security was created by George W. Bush by executive order. It's like a rogue presidential (laughs) executive order agency, right? And, like, one of their main things was promoting the reclassification of people as enemy combatants to strip them of their quote-unquote humanity because that's what the state constructs as right-deserving so that they can incarcerate them in Guantanamo indefinitely. And DHS is the same agency that's now getting more involved in the treatment of undocumented and deportation of undocumented people. So there's like a connection between how the state uses labels to like categorize people's relationship to the state to justify indefinite detainment. And the same logic that was used to justify torture and mistreatment due to war in Guantanamo Bay is being applied to the indefinite detainment of undocumented people. And it's the same agency that's involved in both, the Department of Homeland Security. And I say rogue to like kind of tongue in cheek because the state legitimizes everything it creates. So we can call it rogue, but the whole nation state's rogue by that logic. DHS. Yeah, you bring up DHS, like just makes me think about how much it's just not like it really isn't just the state either because like yeah they they created that snitch line to snitch on like undocumented people and you know it came out that like people are using it to target their stepkids or like competitive business owners and all sorts of like shady stuff like the individual fascists you know and people who will like gladly accept you know all these horrible things that the state does how that will look like outside of a state even if the state didn't exist so you know as many questions as there is how do you combat the state it's like well how do you combat like the white land owning like person with guns because they're gonna start to take over like cities like they already have like cities but i'm thinking like in rural areas where like intentional organized white supremacists white nationals who, like, identify as that are also police. Like, I'm thinking of these, like, small towns where they're probably already doing this. Tell the black people they got to go or, like, reinstate sundown laws and, like, all that kind of stuff. Like, I could see that happening, like, really soon. And I'm sure, like, I'm just ignorant to what's happening already in, like, real, really rural places. Because, like, yeah, like, when you hear how these people talk and how they think and how they think of the world and, like, the threat to whiteness, like, they really do think of white identity, um is threatened and like I hope they're right (laughs) and so like yeah so they've just been planning for years to like protect it and for this like war and so like while that's happening and the state's like worried about like who little me like (laughs) you know like I who just like tweets and writes some stuff like but you're not you don't care about like the person who's got like 50 semi-automatics who's like planning on 4chan how they're gonna like do some effed up stuff but like you want to like be like surveilling and stuff people who like don't really have any like means to do anything like that (laughs) um like just so you know (laughs) yeah like for the record (laughs) you can you can yeah like that's just, I mean, it's like, right, okay, of course the state will because they're white supremacists and they want to, like, those people are also, in a way, a threat to the state, you know, because they want to own their own little lands and be kings of it. They want their divine right. <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, the, what people don't realize is that this feels like a Trump thing, but it's not just a Trump thing. The resurging white nationalists. Sure, the electoral arena legitimized or gave cover, maybe, but post 9-11, there was, due to the racism and Islamophobia, there was uh, a reorganizing of the white supremacist nationalist. They grew exponentially post 9-11 due to all the fear-mongering and racism and Islamophobia and media-mongering and war-mongering and U.S. nationalism. There's actually a book called Spectrum of Terror, and it analyzes what is called terror on a spectrum from the micro to the macro, individuals to the state, because the state, in my opinion, actually is legitimized terror that actually has the means, funding, and resources to create a mass murder, whereas like most people tend to be able to access political violence, but not terror on the degree that states can, that nation states can. The only comparable thing is that white supremacy does, as an ideology, carry the funding, weapons, and legitimacy to have comparable means to enact political violence to the degree of terror, in my opinion. But yeah, if you look like these groups have been organizing themselves and reorganizing themselves with furiosity, and what we're seeing now is the reason they're coming to the cities, they're coming to LA, and I mean, they've been in Orange County, but they're coming to like Berkeley, is because they've already got the rural areas done. Like they've already have like established networks in the rural areas, in their towns, and in their small cities. Southern California, the Bible Belt, Hemet, Paris, San Bernardino, Claremont. Claremont is where the wealthy white supremacists live. But like going down that kind of like the outskirts of the Bible Belt, there are a lot of neo-Nazi skinheads going all the way up to Fallbrook because that's where it starts to very clearly overlap with Camp Pendleton and the military culture. These reactionary white supremacist racists that are intentionally organized and violent, they are doing violent stuff in the rural communities and it's well established and it's well supported. And now they're feeling comfortable to come to the cities because they already have those areas. It's just because it's visible now doesn't mean it's new. <laughs> like this is them expanding because their organizing methods have been effective to maintain and to, they want to protect white supremacy. It's not unclear. They want to protect US nationalism because it is formalized white supremacy. There's just so many questions. I just feel like we can't cover in the show all the questions and then attempts and information and resources and ideas that are out there for trying to combat these elements in ways that don't reproduce hierarchies and oppression, in ways that cultivate autonomy and decentralized networks and organizing so that we can oppose these elements effectively, root out our own internalized behaviors, and also simultaneously create these alternatives so we can survive in a struggle against the state and the formalized power structure that isn't just the state, but also overlaps with the state. It's interesting because I feel like when people talk about the, like alt-white, they kind of paint the like working class, like so it's like working class, white, poor people, whatever, but it's like they're being funded by billionaires. <laughs> and that's the thing, like they've got like money and yeah, they just have they're being funded by like the Mercer family. You know, there's these billionaires like the Mercers or like the princes who are like funding white extremism, which like of that variation, right? Because all whiteness is. And then I was thinking, there's never going to be funding for people who want, for the autonomous liberation struggles. Like, there's never really going to be funding for that. Like, the goal has always been like, oh, we just got to guilt some white liberals into giving us money. But like, those white liberals will never give anything that's really about that money. Not in that same 
sort of like capacity where they have a billionaire funding them. Like you could do a lot with like that kind of money. Yeah, the Breitbart machine is just like they're so connected with, you know, the message boards and like Twitter and YouTube. Like it's just like it's a propaganda machine, right? And for those who are like against that, it's not as like centralized. It's not centralized at all. Um, and there's like a bunch of some, you know, quote unquote rad medias or like, you know, leftist medias, whatever. But like, even their funding is like very acute and like the people facilitating it are very privileged usually. And like, I guess it's like, yeah, how do you combat like just like that much wealth and power and historical power and like generational wealth? Yeah, they're quicker to sign up to get us incarcerated, to get people incarcerated because they want a cookie cutter image or protest or symbolic event. Also, yeah, relying on philanthropy, never going to happen. The nonprofit industrial complex is only going to always recuperate watered down steel and assimilate ideas to the structure. It isn't going to actually. I mean, it's something we've talked a lot. We've joked around, but also been like, well, if we ever did come into money, it would be amazing to only fund autonomous, like horizontally attempted (laughs) groups. But yeah, the only other thing I can think of to to add is there's an overemphasis, and maybe it's not an overemphasis, but other things can also be focused on. Right now, there's like a really intense focus on counter-organizing, and counter-organizing against the white supremacists, the state, is necessary, and I feel like it's not just counter-organizing, but that's what gets the visibility and credibility, as opposed to people are trying to create more collectively sourced funding for each other where we like are trying to redistribute stuff ourselves and there are other avenues it's okay to choose a couple projects and try them and ride them out rather than feel like you have to run around to everything that's burning because everything's always going to be burning so I think it's okay to like try a couple things ride them out reflect try a couple new things maybe one of those things worked you can keep doing that you know but like the counter the counter like there's a difference between direct response I think and counter organizing but I don't know how to articulate it. So that seems like a good place to leave off. You've been listening to On Resistance. We're on every Friday except for the first Friday of the month. You can listen to this full version and all our past shows on www.soundcloud.com on Dash Resistance. You can follow us on Twitter at OnResistanceLA. Email us at OnResistanceRadio at gmail.com or find us on Facebook on On Resistance. Thank you.